He has big fruits, big nuts. He he duels people. He wins all the time. He's an innovator in his in his field. In his field, then he yeah. retires, and he's he's also great at other things. He wants to explore other avenues of his skills. What is your problem with him? You are listening to the Dude Nature Podcast. everyone welcome to the dude nature podcast missed you it's fucking podcast day we got a brand new millennial table here it's a very cheap table but it uh it basically 10x our podcast studio yeah that's all it takes to make a millennial's furniture nicer a 20 dollars table new and cheap noah these are the gripes where we gripe to each other for 30 seconds each about something mildly irritating yeah so what's your gripe today okay um i want to be environmentally good about the straws and i get i get the paper straw thing do you know what i mean yeah but my beverage straw, I'm not putting my dirty chai inside of a metal container so it doesn't make noise. But my straw has like disintegrated. So now I can't even suck my chai while I do the podcast. What am I supposed to do about the paper straw? Is there a better solution than the paper straw? I, I, I get no plastic straw. I just, I can't drink my beverage now. I see your straw and it looks like to be it's in a, a joke. Uh, this looks, is a joke. It looks like it's in a sorry state of affairs. I understand the no plastic straw. I just don't, Is this is not it. That's not for you. This is not something a legendary samurai would drink out of. And that's what I am. Um, my gripe yeah. uh, is that in my bed, right next to my bed, not in my bed, right next to my bed on my table, I have a graveyard of LaCroix. Okay. And these LaCroix are the friends that I bring with me every night. They come to bed with me. They keep me warm by my side. They keep me company. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? And there's about 10 of them there and I can't even fit my alarm clock on them because I'm too lazy to bring them to the trash. Do you just leave them there? I leave them there. If you went there right now, you'd see 10 LaCroix. My alarm clock yesterday was sitting on top of my LaCroix graveyard from the LaCroix I bring with me to bed. Honestly, that's savage. AKA my friend. First thing I I do is clean my LaCroix graveyard that I take to bed. As you just saw, Adam, I just opened the cap to my dirty chai because I can't deal with the stupid paper straw anymore. It literally disintegrated the whole thing. What is this man supposed to do? I was off. I was no. off. Yeah. You ready to play a little game? I'm ready to play a little game. Okay. Let's play a game called, is this a Lord of the Rings quote, or is it a samurai quote? Fuck yeah. I think I'm going to do good. Go. Okay. First one. Inhale. It's the job that's never started as takes longest to finish. Is that Lord of the Rings, or is that a samurai? Hmm. Lord of the Rings. That is Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings. Yes. Okay. Number two. Think lightly of yourself and deeply of the world. Samurai. That is a samurai from the Book of the Five Rings. I'm fucking just unbelievable. Yeah. Deeds will not be less valiant because they are unpraised. It's samurai. Like, it's like a triple negative in there. Deeds will not be less valiant Deeds because they are Deeds will un-praised. not be less valiant because they are unpraised. That is such a complicated sentence. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I kind of, I think they are, but, but yeah, I think it's samurai. That's Lord of the Rings. That's Gandalf. Fucking, I knew someone that was going to be from Gandalf. Gandalf to who? <laughs> Gandalf to who? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay, keep going. Last one. If you wish to control others, you must first control yourself. Lord of the Rings. Who else? That is Lord of the Rings. Yeah, for sure. Nope, that is uh, Samurai. Really? Yeah, Samurai of the Rings. So, Noah. Yeah. What is our topic today? Our topic today, talking about Samurai of the Rings, is legendary Samurai. We have an absolutely... What, Adam? Absolutely, it's packed. absolutely banger. Absolutely packed. packed episode today. It's we're, packed full of bangers. We're gonna start with my friend Tokugawa Leyasu. Then we're gonna have halftime honey. Then we're gonna then we're gonna end with Miyamoto Musashi. By the way, for those of you that speak Japanese out there, we're gonna try our <laughs> best. <laughs> for those of you that can pronounce Japanese words, just you're just gonna have to take it. Honestly, we're gonna try our absolute, gonna try best, our absolute best. And I actually have a way that never mind. Begins that don't suck, Adam. Yeah. 60 seconds. Tells everything we need to know about Legendary Samurai to enjoy the episode. Yes, absolutely. Ready? I Seems am like you want to drop the gun there. Ready to go. Okay, three, two, one, you go. Samurai Jack, Cowboy Bebop, Samurai Champloo, and Star Wars. They're all influenced by Samurai, Noah. Samurai were 5% of the population in feudal Japan. They had high prestige and special privileges, such as wearing two swords, which apparently was a big deal. 
Not to mention the swords they carried in their pants. <laughs> their, their culture and <laughs> I got a fucking sword. Their culture and weaponry remain popular in Japanese culture, and their armor is pretty spectacular if you've ever seen it before. Samurais also they were artists and philosophers as well as swordsmen because of their managerial experience, which they got later in their careers from their status and education. So today we're going to look at a huge legendary samurai and their stories while exploring the Japanese feudal culture at large. And so Noah, fuck yeah, yeah. The theme for today is patience. Mm. Something that the samurai exemplified, and you're about to see why with our first samurai, Adam. Tokugawa Liasu. We're about to dive right into it. You ready? I am ready. Okay. For, <laughs> for the sake of not repeating and butchering the name Tokugawa Liasu, I'm just going to call him Toki. Oh. Okay? Love it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm doing. Okay? Right. We're going to take the name and we're going to shorten it. So Hi, Toki. Whenever I say Toki, Toki, just know that it's Tokugawa Liasu. Whatever, however you say that. Toki. So Toki will become actually the most successful samurai ever in terms of conquering land and establishing a new shogun samurai dynasty. Let's talk about Toki for a second. Let me tell you about Toki. He was not very well liked or personally popular. Not a dude that you would want to hang out with or have some sake with. He was very feared. Otherwise known as a dick. It's otherwise known as a dick. Right. But here's the thing, Adam. Is he more of an asshole or a dick? Oh, I thought about that. I thought about the Team America speech. I thought speech. about my samurai too. I thought about Team America speech. He's a dick. Yeah. Here's the thing about being a dick in this time. This is from this is from a period known as the Warring States period. So just to set the scene for you, this is from 1467 to 1615. It was a period of near constant civil war in, in Japan. Exactly. Basically, a bunch of samurai warlords running around killing each other. If, if you look at a map of Japan of the Warring States period, there is just tons and tons of little factions all run by a samurai warlord. So there's just a ton of war and a ton of death. So when you got a dude that's going to be successful, he's most likely going to be a dick. A feudal dick. He's going to be a, he's going to be a feudal dick because this is a war-torn nation. Some say he had four swords, himself being the fourth, the fourth dick. He was... Two swords, his penis. Right, so do, you, you, did you, do the math there out of two swords, the penis, and then himself being the dick. I see what you did. Yeah. Um, he was very cunning and brutal. But he was loyal to his vassals. And what is a vassal? A vassal is a subordinate that usually controls some land themselves. So if you're a lord, underneath you, you have your vassals, right? And they have some land that you've given them. And they either fight for you or they have men that fight for them that then fight for you. Or they pay you taxes. So they're your dudes, your buds. Okay, your buds. Your guys, but they're subordinate to you. Yeah. Okay. So not a tight dude, but a really good leader. So, just to iterate how brutal he was. Not a tight leader, but a really good dude. No, no. Not a tight dude, but a good leader. Yeah. Tight leader, but a good dude. Tight, tight leader, bad dude. Got it. Just to show you how brutal he was. Yeah. There was a dude that insulted him when he was a child. Oh, no. And then <laughs> later on. How old was he? I'm not sure. Young. Later on, like 30, 30 years later. Hoven. 30 years later, he, comes into, he came into power. And he had that dude executed. He, like, remembered it from his childhood. <laughs> Isn't that insane? What a dick. He, yeah, he's a dick. But again, the Warring States period that we're in, it's a, it's a time of dicks. The Warring Dick period. Dicks also fuck assholes. Dicks fuck assholes. And this is the Warring Dick period. Okay? As a young boy, Toki's, Toki's father, a lord at that time, sent Toki as a hostage to the Imagawa family. They were powerful neighbors. There's a lot of Game of Thrones similarity in here. Okay. So he sent him to be a hostage so that they would be allies. Oh, he's a, not a vassal. What is it? A retainer? Retainer is a good way to put it. Uh, I don't know exactly a, what it's called. actually a word for it, right? Okay, yeah. But you get the idea, okay? He's being sent to a, a neighboring clan so that they ally together. Basically, but he's, a, but he's a hostage. He's like but a... But not. Exactly. He's a dressed-up hostage. Um, to get an idea... Also, of how crazy the time was, on Toki's way to go be a, a, a quote unquote volunteer hostage, this other clan, they the caravan gets ambushed that he was in, and then another clan, the clan that ambushed that caravan, they take him as an actual hostage for for, for two years <laughs> until finally they release him to go to his original hostage destination. 
So, again, he's going to be a hostage. He gets ambushed. He gets taken to be an actual hostage. And then he goes back to his volunteer hostage destination. Right. Warring dick period. Once he got there, having lived through warfare as a kid, he took to the studies of military and government. He also supposedly loved falconry. And just a note on falconry, which looks unbelievably dope. It's the training of birds. It's the training of birds of prey to hunt animals. Um, in this time, there was a specific clan called the Shimadzu, or otherwise contemporarily known as the Falcon Daddies. I thought you were going to say the Shim Dogs. No, Smithsonian says Falcon Daddies. Okay. Yeah. So there's there was basically a clan out there, the Falcon Daddies, and during the Warring States period, their strategy was not to conduct warfare, but it was to do what what it was actually called. This was actually called this was known as hawk diplomacy. Okay, <laughs> yeah, what is that? It's so sick. Because they were such falcon experts, they would send birds, birds of prey, as gifts to their neighbors, to their neighboring samurai warlords, and be like, don't kill us. Like, here is a really cool hawk. Okay. So that's that's how they stayed alive during this period. They would send hawks as gifts. Oh, they would send, like, uh, would they just release the hawk and it would go to the family that it wanted to go to? That would be unbelievably tight. I don't think they did that. I think they would, they would like, ship the hawk there. They didn't there. send, like, a GPS coordinate. <laughs> the they're, they're like, go hawk. Go, go, go be a gift. Go, dude. Latitude. <laughs> go hawk. Be a gift. Be a gift. I think they would, like, they would bring the hawk there. I watched a YouTube video on falconry for a bit. Yeah. My fucking straw is doing No, it's the same a fucking joke, honestly. Can I just tell... Dear listener, can I just tell you what just happened to me? I took the the top off my thing because the, the paper straw is a joke, and then I spilled the dirty try on my. Literally a joke. I spilled the dirty try on my laptop. Then this is such a fucking joke. All right, back to back to falconry. Yeah, I watched a YouTube video on falconry. It looks unbelievably fucking tight. Um, it does look a bit cruel because basically what you do. I don't know a lot about falconry, but from what I gather, is that you raise the bird of prey in a like completely, completely dark room. Raptor. A raptor. The raptor family? Raptors or birds of prey? Raptor, is that a scientific term? Yeah. All right, Sam Neil. Sam <laughs> so, Neil. So you raise, <laughs> you raise the falcon in like a dark, a dark atmosphere and you only bring it outside with you so that it's like very uncomfortable being outside in the light and it like is uh, bond, more than bonded to you. It like needs you. Basically, like mentally is freaked out. Do you okay. see what I mean? It's yeah, kinda, I see it. I see it's it. It's a little cruel, but it's but you know, it's still cool. maybe falconry has changed since the medieval times. Just like humanity has changed a little bit, right? You don't you have think, to be a dick to your. You falcon. think falconry is woke? Yeah, it's woke, probably more woke. Woke falconry. Yeah, I, that's what I support. Woke that's falconry. Who, that's who gets my money at the end of the month. Absolutely. Back to Toki. What fucking finally? Toki do? Finally, Yoshi himself was slain during a battle with another samurai warlord named Oda Nobunga. <laughs> <laughs> Oda Nabunga was getting really, really powerful and killed Yoshi. Yeah. Instead of Oda Nabunga, because Oda Nabunga himself is a very well-known samurai legend, so we're gonna, we're gonna call him OG. Okay, OG. Okay, OG is Oda Nabunga. Yeah. So OG kills Yoshi. Yep. Are you following me here? No, I am totally. Finally. Toki's like, all right, great. My hostage father got killed. I'm going to run back home. So as soon as he heard that Yoshi got killed by OG, he, 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 ran, he ran back home. And it's basically like Simba going back home to Pride Rock, right? Pride Rock is in disarray. All the lionesses are upset. The hyenas are rebelling. It's dark and gray. It's dark and gray. There's no grass. He's like, this is, this is absolute shit. One thing about him is that he's a very patient, patient man. Okay, he's a really really good military leader, but he's a better administrator. Very good at putting in the infrastructure. So as soon as he goes home, he starts to make the grass grow again, make the lionesses happy, right? Oh, I see. You're ext- you're extending the lion. So king I'm gonna, metaphor, I'm going like to use really the far. lion king metaphor. Yeah. To describe him coming home, he's Simba coming home. Instead of just fighting Scar at home. He's like, he's like, I'm just gonna manage and make. He's like, nice. I'm gonna manage it. Linus is happy. I'm gonna make the hyenas what, happy too. Oh, but, but what about OG? OG's got to be like, no. Well, so oh, well, OG doesn't know about him. Okay. OG killed his hostage father, but it doesn't mean that he knows about him. Okay. But let me tell you what he does. Talking about OG, once he gets his, once he gets Pride Rock back in order, he reaches back out to OG. He reaches out to OG, and remember, OG killed his hostage father, and his hostage. Hood or his hostage father was by all accounts really good to him. Mm-hmm. You know, his hostage father gave him an education, gave him military leadership training, 
and all that awesome stuff. So what he does is kind of savage. He basically allies himself with the OG. With, oh, sorry, with OG who killed his hostage father. Following me? Right, but his hostage father kept him hostage. That wasn't that cool. That wasn't that cool. But for the period of time, you know, not not even a bad... For the Warring Dick period, it's not even a bad thing. Not unheard of. Yeah. So, what he realized... So, if, if you've ever played Risk before... I'm going to use it. I'm going to use two analogies in case you haven't played Risk. If you've played Risk before, what Toki does is he does the Australia strategy. Uh-huh. So he goes in Australia and he just builds up his troops and he allies himself basically with the person that owns all of Asia, who's more powerful. One route in, one route out. Yeah. Kind of just And he allies himself with that person and says says, "Hey, I'm good with Australia. Me and you, you know, you don't got to worry about this border." If you've ever played Monopoly, Basically, if there was a dude buying all the properties and expanding really fast and becoming really powerful fast, Toki is sitting and just collecting his cash and waiting for his time. Again, what's the theme, Adam? The theme is patience. Right. Toki's collecting his cash and waiting for the time where he's about to use it. Like a bonsai. Like a bonsai. Bonsai. Um, one thing that happened in Pride Rock during this, this is going to sound crazy, is that he had a, a Buddhist monk rebellion of violent Buddhist monks. That would seem to be a, uh, a, a, a contradiction. A misnomer. Yeah. Right. So how did so that happen? The hyenas of you will, as you will, of the pride rock, pride rock. Yeah. But hyenas, um, this actually, kind of, this actually is happening right now in Myanmar with, with Buddhist and Muslim violence against each other. It's crazy. So I actually looked up, uh, I looked up some pictures of it mm-hmm. and there's pictures of like the ringleaders of the, of the violent Buddhists. And they look like the most peaceful people ever. They like there's a picture of them, you know, bathing in the water, like praying with just their robes on. But they're like the ringleaders of all this violence. Open to interpretation is the religion. Religion, yeah, crazy. Okay, so um, what happens? So the the Buddhist monks, the violent Buddhist monks, they were using their monasteries as like fortified locations. So he puts down the the Buddhist monk rebellion and gets everything in order. Finally. Nobunga, OG. So again, Toki's in Australia. O- OG, OG has got all of Asia and Europe. OG gets killed because it's the warring dick period. So the big powerful dude on the board, in any board game you play, the big powerful dude just got killed. He just got brought down. And he got killed by who? Toki. Did Toki fucking kill him? No, he got killed by one of his own men. Okay. So now, now we have... What the fuck is happening? We have already two examples of someone getting killed by their own dudes. Oh my god. Again. No, actually three. Sorry. Um, they always go for the inside job, honestly. So OG's biggest general, Adam. Hideyoshi. Things weren't already confu- confusing enough. Hideyoshi, Nobunga's general, he took power. Okay? And then Toki was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ally with you. They went to go take over this this other set called the Hojo. <laughs> what the fuck? Just fucking follow me here. Okay. Let's, let's, let's go to risk. Can I, can I stay with risk? Do you like the risk analogy? Unfortunately for Toki, his rival, Mitsunari, mm-hmm. had also been waiting. They were both... Both of these guys were vassals of Hideous Yoshi. Yeah. And they were waiting for Hideous Yoshi to get iced. Yeah, yeah. Okay. As soon as Hideous Yoshi gets iced... They both start bickering over power. Yes. And then they're like, all right, this is the time. We're going to play all of our cards on the field. So the this battle that comes up between them is the largest samurai field battle ever. It had 160,000 troops in it. And in it only took, it's crazy because it only took several hours, like three hours, and 30,000 people died. Oh my God. 30,000 people? 30,000 people died in three hours. Because this is Toki and Mitsunari, these dudes that have been waiting Right, they've been waiting their whole lives and to play these cards, and they're going at it. And they're like, "This is it. This is the. This is my moment I've been waiting for." What? What, that, what is it like? Uh, is it just a sword battle, or are there bow and arrows? Great, great question. There's pikemen with huge, long, like really long spears. Okay. There's bow and arrows, and what Toki does to win the battle is that he imports guns. Wow! Secretly, what kind of guns? He, he secretly what? gets flintlock guns from from where? Who knows? He gets flintlock guns and he imports them, and that like helps turn is one of the things that turned the tide of the battle for him. That's amazing. Yeah, these guns they're called the Ar- Arquebus. 
Some of them, they look like a humong, a, like a humongous rifle. And you have to shove the thing down. You have it to, to shove the it. thing in it. They have like a whole thing. It's like one shot. It's not a great gun, but it's still better than a lot of do, the other stuff they had. Do you remember the book Shogun? Like you've heard of it, right? Yeah. I think a lot of the stuff that you're saying is in the book. Is there inspiration for the book? That's really dope. Like where it's basically where a Westerner comes and influences a battle of shoguns, like right. a giant showdown. And he brings guns to one of the sides. These flintlock rifles like you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Toki was smart enough to invest in new technology, right? And and get these guns. Another thing that Toki did is that he had secretly been talking to some of Mitsunari's closest generals, right? We got a little Game of Thrones here. He'd been talking to his closest generals and was like, hey, if you turn, if you turn against him during this huge field battle... I will give you, you know, way more land, way more money than he will. Yeah. Because Toki, Toki was a G like that. Okay. So during the battle, besides him having guns, several of the generals of Mitsunari, they, instead of charging Toki, they charged Mitsunari from like an unprotected flank. Oh, okay. They yeah. turned on him. They turned on him. Like the red, basically the red wedding. Oh my God. Yeah. They how did he, they uh, how did he convince him. them to do that? He promised them more. He promised them shit. Okay. Promised them shit. Um, and he did convince them and they turn on him and that's what turned the tide of the battle. And the crazy thing about this battle too is because Toki and Mitsunari were both vassals of Hideous Yoshi. A lot of like, there was like family members on opposite. It was a civil war. Basically there were family members on opposite sides that were fighting each other. There were friends on like lifelong friends on opposite sides that were fighting each other. It's a brutal, brutal battle. After the battle, Toki winning, biding his time, waiting for the per perfect moment, he was given the title of Shogun in 1603. And instead of trying, like what a lot of these rulers did that was bad, instead of trying to expand his lands more than what he should, Toki did what Toki, do Toki does. Which is he compacted. Which is he compacted, right? And, and was patient again. So this was so effective that his Shogunate would last, like his line... Every, all of his sons would be Shogun until 1867 for 260 years. So he started a line of Shoguns for 260 years that ended then. And that was so long, actually. It was so long a time of peace after this battle. It was basically peaceful that by that point, the sam the samurai had basically gone out of existence as a caste. Whoa. Because there was so because there was no need for them to be warlike. At what time? What what is the year that they ended? So 1603 is when this battle happens. Yeah. Okay. And 1867 is when his show, it's called his shogunate or his line of, of his line of shoguns ends. Yeah. So the, when the feudal period ends basically. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Okay. So he took over and he compressed rather than expanding. Yeah. And losing himself. Here's my board game morals from this. Okay. Okay. Toki. He didn't expand quickly. He he compressed and waited for his time, and then he struck. Then he then he was decisive when he needed to be. Okay. So anyway, don't expand too quickly. Send your oh one one of the other things he did that was that was against the thinking of that time, is that it, when these lords would take over an area, they would move their most powerful vassals next to them, as like a buffer. Yeah, but what what Toki realizes that they, is that the the leaders keep getting iced by people around them. Mm -hmm. So he sent his most powerful vassals to the edges of his territory, and there were two there were two reasons for this. One is that at the edge they were farther away from him to about to kill him, right? And the other one is that instead of thinking about killing him, they would be occupied with trying to protect the border and getting invaded themselves. Uh -huh. So they would be getting weaker and weaker. And he surrounded his direct area with the weakest vassals. Oh, wow. Brilliant move by yeah. Toki. Brilliant fucking move by Toki. Anyway, also so research keep your, your... Keep your enemies close, but your friends closer. <sighs> keep your powerful allies far away from you on the borders of your territory. <laughs> right. Okay. Research new technology. Yeah, and just fucking... And wait, don't expand too quickly, basically. Okay. Classic risk morals. That's the story of Toki. That's the story of Tug Daddy. Okay, we're going to take a quick musical break. And afterwards, it is time for the halftime honey. I want to Tug Daddy a little reefer. 
Yoshi and Toki, Yoshi and Toki, hideous Yoshi. OG and Toki, Yoshi, hideous Yoshi and OG. Noah. Yeah. It is time for the Halftime Honey. This is the Halftime Honey toast where we discuss and celebrate some absurd science in the news that is somehow related to our episode. Okay, I find the story and Noah responds with his immediate thoughts. Let's do it. Okay. So this Halftime Honey, and I'm going to grab my glass right here. I raise my glass. Noah, what are we drinking today? You guys know what we're drinking. Jack Daniel, stop trying to pay us some Bitcoin. Okay, we're not, it's not a bunch of millennials in here. We don't take Bitcoin. We take cold, hard cash. No more Bitcoin, please. Don't fiat explain me, Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels, no more Bitcoin, please. No more Ethereum. We raise our glasses of halftime honey to the toast, to toast the Finnish artist, Judo Konkola, who took a single sheet of 68 centimeter squared wafer thin paper. He folded it for 50 hours and he made a complete samurai with armor and mask. That is 20 centimeters tall. That's to him. Love fucking I am. And your response. Um, that's amazing. It was just an 8 by 11 piece of paper. It was a 68 centimeter sheet of paper. So it's basically as big as the puzzle box that's right here. As a classic puzzle he box. He took that piece of paper and folded it into a samurai. It took 50 hours. And he folded it into a really detailed samurai with armor and a snarling mask. And sword. He folded a piece of paper for 50 hours. Yeah, but he 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 like uses clips. He uses a bunch of clips to hold it into place. He's and he's like using an airbrush and he's using. That's incredible. It's it, it is incredible. Is it origami paper or you normal? know what else is incredible? Is it honestly? Or, is it origami or normal paper? Honestly, it's wafer thin paper. Mm. I think that is that origami paper. I don't know. It's very foldable paper. It is. I think it is origami paper, but. Can you imagine doing something like that for 50 hours? How much would you pay someone to do a paper folding of yourself? Um, I'd pay. I'd pay 100 bucks. Make a little paper version. This samurai is so cool. That's that's so fucking lit, honestly. Uh, so great great job to him. Uh, not a lot going on in Finland, apparently. <laughs> not a lot going on in Finland. Just folding paper for 50 right. hours. The things I did before I got a girlfriend. <laughs> the things I did before I got a girlfriend. Finnish person. How did you meet your wife? Things I did in the Nordic winter. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Moving forward to Miyamoto Musashi. Miyamoto Musashi. Miyamoto Musashi. Okay. Who is he? All right. This is a little bit different than Noah's story. Noah was telling us about a feudal lord. Patience. I'm going to tell you about an outcast. A ronin. Okay. Someone a little bit different. A rogue. He is Japan's greatest swordsman. Or as I like to say, he is Japan's greatest dick. And I was thinking... <laughs> Of, is he a dick or an asshole, right? Japan looks like a dick a little bit. Japan does look like a phallus. It's a little bit phallic. And Miyamoto Musashi is a dick. There's a couple things about Miyamoto Musashi. Number one, he has intense daddy issues, okay? <laughs> His dad was a master of jute. What is a jute? A jute is a sword carried by palace guards because they could not bring a katana into the palace. You could bring a jute. It's a very small sword, and it has an appendage on the side that looks like a fork. So it looks like this. If you make an L with your hand, it looks like an L. It has a little appendage on the side. That's the thing that that uh, fucking um uh uh what's his name? The dude in Avatar. You, you know who I'm talking about? The dude who likes the Katara kisses. Oh, Jet. Yeah, it Jet. Is. That's exactly what Jet, what Jet has. That's the sword that Jet has. Exactly. Nice job. I didn't make that connection there. You're a Jet. You're, You're a, a Jet. jet. From your first cigarette to your last item breath. So it's the it's the um, it's the sword that Jet has exactly. Okay. And one thing about Musashi, Miyamoto Musashi, is he was not a respectful lad at all. Okay. And samurais are known to be very respectful. So guess what his dad did? Didn't like it. Didn't his like dad that didn't no like respect. it. Noah. His dad threw a, a dagger and a jute at his head when he okay. was seven years old. So Miyamoto Musashi was like, "Fuck this," and he went to go live with his uncle. His uncle Ron. Uncle Ron was a Buddhist monk. Okay. Different experience. He was a warrior turned monk. And that is where Miyamoto learned the art of meditation and centering oneself and all that stuff, pretentious stuff that he would later roll into his douchebaggery in his book. <laughs> okay. Musashi's first duel was when he was 13. A passing swordsman by the name of Kihai went to his town, posted up a sign that challenged anyone to a duel. Just on the sign said, I will challenge anyone to a duel. To the death? To the death. 
Yep. This dude is hard as shit. This is just the craziest time. The war, yeah, I know. It's the warring dick period. So Musashi, he was at his uncle's house since he was seven. He's been practicing in the woods, just hitting trees with his sword. Okay. Okay. He's never fought anyone before, but he took this samurai, Kihai, up on his task. And this dude, Kihai, was known to be very arrogant and not a super talented swordsman anyway. Like, what a fucking dick. Why would you go to a town and just challenge people to fight? Like, what is wrong with what you? What an idiot. What is wrong with everyone, honestly, at this time? <laughs> no, they <laughs> are just like, time. they do not care. They just want to fuck each other up. That they just is... want to fuck each other up. Yeah. All right. So Musashi was like, sup, dick. And he, he was like, I will fight you. And his <laughs> uncle Ron was like, don't do it. Don't do don't it, Don't do Moto. it. Do don't me. fucking do it. And so his uncle Ron ran out to Kihai and was like, hey, I'm really sorry about my nephew being a dick. Being a hothead dick. But guess what? Miyamoto Musashi, being Japan's greatest ever douche, didn't care about that. He jumped out of the woods and surprised Kihai and hit him with a quarterstaff. Quarterstaff is a large piece of wood. Like literally the av- Avatar Aang has a quarterstaff. His yeah. glider is a quarterstaff. Or, the co- or what? what's-her-name uses in Cobra Kai to like kind of to disarm what's-her-name with the nunchucks. Bad girl. Bad girl? What Sam uses to disarm bad girl. Is her name Sam? Louisa. Does she have a quarter ma- a, co- a quarter staff? I don't, know. She, I, I I don't, don't even remember. I'm out on the show. Honestly. Okay, it's just a large stick. Okay? He hit Kihai in between the eyes with his large stick. Kihai passes out. He then beats <laughs> Kihai to death. Okay, kills him. Right? But not in a dual fashion, like just in a jackass fashion. In a jackass fashion. And this is all recounted in his book. The book... Oh my god, the book of the five rings? What did I just say? The book of the five scrolls? The book that I can't remember, just go with that. The book that I can't remember, honestly. It, it, it's the book he wrote before he was dead, okay? This is where the story comes from, and a lot of these do first-hand account from his book, all right? So becoming a greater douche than he already was, okay? We've killed, we killed someone who was pretty much a douche himself, and we've become an even greater douche. Okay. And, and now Musashi, his journey to become Japan's greatest douche Comes to Kyoto, which was known before as Endo, which is funny. Like Endor. Did you get that reference? I get it because it has one letter short of it. Yeah. Okay. Hey, you're being a bit of a douche with your pompous <laughs> attitude. <laughs> no, no, no. Keep, keep going. This is good. This is good. Okay. I like this. He went to go challenge the famous Yoshioko clan All right. because he wanted to prove that he was the best. So yeah. he fucking jumps out of the woods. Surprises this dude and basically sucker punches him and kills him. Now he's gonna go challenge some clans. Yeah, but in that period of time, he's right, got balls though. In that period of time, right there, he just chilled in the town for like three more years. So he just beat someone to death and he was like sick. Three years later, he goes to challenge. He's he's back to the woods. He has a sack on him. Yeah, well, he has tons of daddy issues. You know, he's got a lot of rage. He's got some fruits. He's got he's got fruits. He's got fruits. Some matters. He is not interested. One thing about him, he's not interested at all in being a shogun or a ruler. He just wants to be the greatest douche. Ever. Yeah. Okay. I don't see him being a douche though yet. I see him I being a really, I see him being a dude that has some dick and is like he's he's fighting people. Yeah. Well, you know, dick douche. It's up open to interpretation. Okay. So he went to challenge the Yoshioko clan. In Kyoto. He threw down his challenge at the temple. Fuck yeah, let's And he go. was like, bitches, I am fucking Miyamoto Musashi. I got a big-ass Johnson, and I will, I'm going to take you guys <laughs> I'm on. I'm into this dude. You don't like your own dude. I'm into your dude. No, I, I like him. I like him. Okay? Keep going. Okay, so they were like, fuck this. Who is this southerner? He comes from the south of Japan. Who is a southerner that's coming to our temple telling us what to do? He's like, I am. And he's like, I am. So here's what they did. Okay. One dude went to go challenge him. Okay. He walks up to Miyamoto. Yeah. Once again, never walk up, walk up to Miyamoto. Do not walk up to Miyamoto Musashi. Do not walk up to Miyamoto Because as soon as he walked up and started to get into his stance, guess what fucking Miyamoto did? He iced him. Number one, he hit him between the eyes with his quarterstaff once again. What a super big Miyamoto Musashi move is to have a stick when your opponent has a sword and to emasculate them and then kill them. But to also hit them stick. before the duel starts. Right. So he hit him again before the duel starts and killed him. Okay, then the guy's brother was like, fuck you, you killed my brother. I'm going to avenge him. And this time the challenger struck first. He learned that with Miyamoto Musashi, like when you you just literally when you get there, honestly, it's when you get social distancing, when you get within the six feet, you better be fucking ready to (laughs) go. When you get within six feet, when you get within social distance, you better be ready to fight. You better be fucking ready to go. Okay. Yeah. And guess what he did? He struck first. Good. So he jumps at Miyamoto Musashi. Then Musashi was like, no grabbed his sword, took it away from him, and sliced his head off. Okay? So now we've killed both brothers. He grabbed the dude's sword? Yeah. So this dude's kind of a badass. 
Right, so now we've killed both brothers why of the Yoshioku clan. I just feel like, uh, why have you thought he was a douche? He's kind of a badass. Here's He's the thing about people. stories and history. They're open to interpretation from everyone. And I've it's thought, just like being a Buddhist monk. Well, I've thought a lot about why he's more of a douche than a dick or an asshole. I first thought he was a dick, but it's because at the end of his life, he st he was like really Buddhist and was like, guess what? Like I'm super Buddhist, and even though I like, like even though I killed sixty people, I like when I was thirty. All right, keep going. So it's a little douchey, right? It's a little douchey. Yeah. Okay. So he's now killed three people in the Yoshiaku clan. So the challenger's son is like, "Fuck this guy. We're gonna jump him." Okay. What do you do when you can't kill someone? You just jump him. So he gets a hundred people from the Yoshiaku clan. And they jump Musashi, Miyamoto Musashi, okay? And what Musashi does is he charges the sun and he kills him with his quarterstaff again. Once again, using a does wooden quarterstaff. Does he just use the quarterstaff? He, when he wants to emasculate someone, he'll use the quarterstaff. What, how did he get so good at fighting? He, it's all he did. That's all Un he did under in the Ron, woods. Under Uncle Ron? He first had daddy issues and then he ran away from daddy and he went to Uncle Ron and he would either be meditating with Uncle Ron or fighting trees in the forest. Those two things are very opposite. You can do a lot of things with rage, Noah. Rage Those is are such a powerful, powerful tool. As I learned in mine, when the Buddhist monks start like rebelling and doing violence. Yeah. Yeah. Rage is a powerful no, tool. It's going to happen. Okay. So Musashi has now killed both brothers and killed the son. But there's a hundred people that he is fighting against. Exactly. Right. Now, right? Okay. So the historical record gets a little fuzzy here. Okay, he kills the son, and then in his book, he says the others were subdued in Japanese, obviously. Okay, I don't know what, exactly what that means or if it's true, but okay. there you go. So, Noah, what do you make of Musashi so far? I fucking, I think he is a badass, honestly. He's killing people with a quarterstaff while they're charging him with a sword. I think he's kind of, I think he's kind of raw dog. I don't agree with your interpretation of him being a douche. I think it says more about you. Really? I think your interpretation of him says more about you. In what way? I think he's kind of a badass. All American badass? Yeah, I think All so. All Japanese badass? All Japanese badass. Killing people with the quarterstaff. What is the difference between badass and douche? Uh, douche is pretentious, as I said before. Yeah, I, like I said, the pretentiary is at the end of the story. Keep going. I think I would hang out. I think I like him. Okay. You might like him, but just don't... If you're going to get in a fight with him, don't come within his personal bubble. No. Yeah. Without your arms up. Keep going. Okay. So, Musashi goes back to, Tio back to Tokyo. Okay? And he establishes his first dojo. One of... Hundreds of dojos in the city. There's all sorts of, like you were saying, there's tons of fighting. So there's lots of dojos. That is what they do. Learning how to this fight. This is what they do at this time. I thought it was a more peaceful time, but I guess they were just killing each other all over those really cool architectural buildings. Beautiful architectural buildings. Awesome tea. Beautiful environment. A lot of killing each other. Arigato. Um, <clears throat> he is an innovator, Musashi also. Because not only does he use a quarterstaff to emasculate people, he also was the first person to use the two-handed technique of swordsmanship. So usually oh, when you see a samurai, they have both of their hands gripping the katana. A big, yeah. A it's big a double-handed katana. Yeah. Musashi, because of his dad taught him how to use jute, right? And his right. dad actually threw jutes at his head. He held one jute in one hand and he held a katana in the other. That is so So sick. I think that he killed so many people because he was just an innovator, honestly. And they were completely unprepared for the double attack. And he innovated in the duels. He was like, I'm not going to wait. I'm just going right. to literally kill and them. And if you really thought he was going to kill someone, he used his stick. Because that was very emasculating to use a stick when someone else has a sword. Again, this dude continues to be a badass in my mind. Okay. So, he teaches there for about seven years. Okay. And with his... He develops another technique that he doesn't use the jute anymore. He uses something called a wakizashi, which is basically a tiny knife. So he's got a big katana in his left and a tiny knife in his right hand. So that he's like stabbing. So fucking, he's stabbing with the right. So fucking he's cool. slicing with the left. It literally is so dope. That's what I want my video character to use. Video game character. Musashi's most famous battle. The one that made him famous, okay? When he was 30 years old, as old as we are today, he had killed 60 people in duels. Holy shit. He was challenged to a duel by none other than, than Sasaki Kujiro. Otherwise known as the Demon of the West. Ah, is sick. Also, another Avatar shout because of the Dragon of the West. Yeah. Is Iroh. For sure. Okay? This guy is the Demon of the West. That is so sick. And one thing that made Sasaki Kujiro the absolute Demon of the West is he used a three-foot greatsword known as a Nodaki. Okay? And the way he would kill people is he would take his Nodaki and overhead strike. Overhead strike them. 
With a huge greatsword? With a giant greatsword. Like, split them in half. Yeah. Okay, so this was, is fucking sick. He was ferocious. And they agreed to meet on an island in South Japan. And no one was allowed to come. But that is they, not a good idea to do with, the, with fucking your dude. Because okay. he will fucking just do some underhanded shit. Right. Exactly. He will do some shit. Okay. But guess what? Thousands of people showed up to this island. Fuck yeah. And they circled the two. Like an arena. I mean, yeah. And guess what Miyamoto Musashi did? Some shit. He's not going to use... Staff. Quarter staff. He's... There you go. He's not going to yeah. use his double sword quarter staff, technique. baby. He's not going to do that because that would be too easy, right? Right, right. Quarter staff. It's even quarter more staff. than using the quarter staff. So he's got the quarter staff and the other dude's got the great sword. It's even more than the quarter staff. When he was coming over on a boat to the island, was he stressed out? Was he thinking about that he was going to die? He wasn't, okay? You know what he was doing? Because he's got fucking he took, he took a knife and he carved a boken out of the boat. He carved a wooden sword called a boken out of the boat, okay? Okay, out of literally the boat that he was traveling on. And so it's a it's like a really crude wooden sword, okay? That's He literally made it when he, he was made traveling it there? While, this is why this fight is so legendary. He made it while he was traveling, okay? And so he has a wooden sword and... His challenger, Sasaki, has a giant great sword. It's going to kill him. So they get there, right? They're circled together. Sasaki takes the scabbard of the sword that he's using and throws it into the surf, thus signifying that he was going to fight to the death. He's ready to go down until they both die. Okay. And then Musashi was like, why are you throwing... He said this. He was like, not in these words, Okay. Why are you throwing that away? You must not be confident that you're ever going to need a scabbard again because you're going to die. Yeah. So there was shit talking. There's literal Larry Bird level shit talking like going it. on I like here. it. I like okay. it. Okay. Boom. They start. Both Sasaki and Musashi. He's using the wooden sword. He's using the wooden sword. Once again, that he uses to emasculate men before he kills them. Not the quarter staff, but the wooden sword. He carved out of the ship. Very good. Not a quarter staff. Wooden yeah. sword. Okay. So they charge each other. Okay. Sasaki cuts off. Musashi's headband, but not his head. Intentionally and or not? Not intent intentionally. They okay. both do one big sweep of their swords, like a big overhead yeah, chop. I see. Musashi hits Sasaki. Where do you think? In the nuts. Right? <laughs> Is that it? No, I wish. Thank God. Right between the fucking eyes. Okay, and he kills him again. He beats him to death with his wooden sword. So he get he hits him with the wooden sword and kills him. Right. Exactly. So this dude is a ma is a master. He's uh, like just more skilled than everyone else. Is he big, dude? He's not a big dude. All that we know about him is he never bathed, did not groom, and he seldom wore traditional samurai garb. He thus making give a him fuck. a ramen. Ronin. What is right. a ronin? He has no master. He's a wandering samurai. Right. Okay. Sometimes uses derogatory term. Also in modern Japanese, it's used to refer to an employee, like a very loyal employee known as a salary man who doesn't have a job. A it, a it, it is still used today as that? It's still used today as that, yes. A, a normal man that doesn't have a job? Yep. So we, <laughs> we are we Ronin. Are, we are we are Ronin. We've been Ronin. Ronin for so long. It literally means uh, a wave man, like an ocean wave or one who is adrift. You know what I mean? Okay. So that's his most famous battle, right? You kind of yeah. get the vibe of this guy. Yeah, I like, the rest I like of him. His, the rest of his life in fighting, he works for various shoguns. He has a son... He teaches his son the way of the samurai. The son's charge, the son's, the son's uh, retainer, ends up getting tuberculosis. And the son has to kill himself because his retainer died. And Musashi is, is incredibly upset by his son dying and doesn't speak to anyone for years. Not like he was a big speaker before then anyway. Once again, his book, the book that Adam can't name, the book of the five rings. The book of the non-named. Uh, there's a part in it that is called the way... The way of the lonely warrior. Because he was alone his whole life. He lived a solitary life of being smelly and walking around <laughs> killing people with his quarterstaff and masculating them. You can either fold paper for 50 hours or you can not bathe right. and walk around killing, killing people. So eventually he retires to a small island, opens a dojo where he teaches people how to use the two swords. And people really want to come learn with Fuck him. Fuck yeah. yeah. Because he's got, he's got the jute. And he's got the fucking no, that's katana. Not, no, great, that's a great dojo. It's a great dojo, right? How does it do it's a great, business wise? It does good. The marketing is good for it, right? It's really mm -hmm. unique. Okay. At the end of his life, he gets really into painting and writing. He has a painting called Shrike in a Barren Tree. It's one of the most beautiful paintings I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Are you serious? Yeah, it's amazing. How can you call this dude a deuce then? 
I'm like, now I'm going to duel you. Right. Maybe it's a problem with me. I think it's a problem with you. This dude just sounds like the man. Everything you've described has him sound like the man. He has big fruits, big nuts. He, he duels people. He wins all the time. He's an innovator in his in his field. In his field, Then he yeah. retires, and he's he's also great at other things. He wants to explore other avenues of his skills. What is your problem with him? So what he said was, when I apply the principle of strategy to the ways of different arts and crafts, I no longer see the need for a teacher in any domain. And so he just becomes a master. He, he becomes a master of Japanese brushstroke painting, an absolute master. It is, it's a, it is a striking painting. Uh, I don't know what's so, wrong. Work. I don't know what's wrong with you. Okay, and he he's studied in in art school just as being an artist and not at all as being a samurai because he was that good at art. He he said in his book that being an artist taught him more of the way of the warrior. That is oh that's where, <laughs> I think that's fucking lit though. He's so lit. Can I, can I tell you something? Yeah. I don't know if you can be like so he, when he says like the way of the samurai way of the painting whatever talking more of the samurai I don't know if you can be pretentious if you have that much experience. Interesting. So 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 if he hadn't like been a warrior for that long and he said that yeah but he was the ultimate warrior so why wouldn't he be able to say that? Yeah, you're right. Good point. Maybe he was more of a dick than a douche. Let's say Japan's biggest dick instead of douche. I would have gone to the dojo honestly. Okay. So one of the pieces of his work later in life, he wrote the book of the five rings, of course, kind of like his art of art of war, like Sun Tzu. And right a couple days before he died, he wrote the Dokodo or the 21 principles for walking alone. Because once again, he was, he was the Ronin. He was the man who walked alone, who smelled, who didn't groom right. himself. Right. But again, it's not, no master. It, it isn't pretentious because of his success. Right. Okay. So I just want to point out six things. From the Dokodo. Very cool. Six principles. Give it to us. Talk about them for a second. Number one, accept everything just the way it is. The way of, the, this is his words translated to English. The way of the warrior means a life of ongoing practice. We cannot improve unless we are willing to be novices at first. Accept everything just the way it is. Do not seek pleasure for its own sake. Think lightly of yourself and deeply of the world. I like that one. That's the one he said. So he was lethal and humble at the same time. Be detached from desire your whole life. Attachment is the root of suffering. Do not regret what you have done. When you lose, do not lose the lesson, which was echoed by the Dalai Lama. When you lose, do not lose the lesson? Yeah. Oh, like just learn from... Of course, he never lost. Fucking he never lost a duel. He never did lose. Yeah, so he never had to actually come face to face with failure because he never, never failed. Exactly. Um, never be jealous. If you don't bathe, then you're never going to have a girl to be jealous of. Okay. Three of them that are kind of hard to accept, you know, for us is going to be in all things, have no preferences. It's going to be tough. Be indifferent to where you live. Also going to be tough. And do not pursue the taste of great food. Also going to be tough hmm. to follow in the Dokodo. Okay. Okay. So Miyamoto Musashi, greatest dick and swordsman that ever lived in Japan. Also great painter and artist. I just think he's kind of the man, honestly. Anything else? Um, I think that your take on him being a douche, I think that you should reflect. You should you should reflect on that. Okay, we're gonna take a quick musical break and then we will be back with open kimono. I had a quarter staff. I'd whack you in the nuts with it. As as I give you a, just a whack right in the sack with it. That's otherwise known as a sack tap. Otherwise known as a move called the sack whack. The sack whack. Miyamoto Musashi. That's the first move that Miyamoto teaches in the dojo. How to whack a sack with that quarter staff. All right, Noah, this is the open kimono where we freely talk and discuss our final thoughts on the topic and leave nothing to the imagination. So Noah, why don't you get started with the open kimono? Absolutely. From the Toki story, we learned don't expand too quickly in board games, bide your time and be the snake in the grass and wait. 
okay? And ally yourself with your pow- powerful allies and wait for them to to get iced and then and then strike. Ice, ice baby. Ice, ice baby. And I think we learned a lot about Adam, honestly, and that his dude was really, really cool and he kind of thought he was a douche. What is your open kimono? Like Toki, sometimes it's good to wait and be the snake in the grass, honestly. Absolutely. And wait for your moment to strike. Snake in the pants. Be a snake in the pants. Like Miyamoto Musashi, sometimes it's good to smell really bad and walk alone. <laughs> okay? Yeah. As, did he um, have lady friends? Um, I don't I don't think so. I remember he in his, the Dokoro, he says, do not seek pleasure for its own sake. Huh. Yeah. Huh. I, oh, I, he had a son. He had a son. So he had sex once at least. Oh, I forgot to mention he adopted both of those sons. Because he was the uh, wow, he was on retainer, and the fathers died. I mean, there's mm. just a lot of fathers dying at that point. So he took the sons uh, yeah. in. When his father died, he was he was crushed. And he didn't speak even more than he usually didn't speak. When his father died, when the his when uh, the son died, when his son died, his I adopted see. son. Yeah, what a life, honestly, of Miyamoto Musashi. Yeah, shout out to Sarah and all her boyfriends. May they find a master or be a Ronin, a dirty smelling Ronin. Sure. And, uh, you know, we'll take it. With, yeah, live with absolutely. Honor. And go to his dojo. And go to his dojo. Learn the two, two-handed two technique. They need some technique help. Uh, shout out to the Kraken living on the ice planet. Shout out to the tongue-eating louse. Noah, where can people find us? Guys, you can find us on Instagram at dude underscore nature. If you're kind enough, you love the episode, we love you very much. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, yeah, iTunes. Wherever, we would absolutely love it. Be a legendary samurai. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Love you guys. Bye.